Welcome to this week's podcast from Terelgan City Church. We hope this message transforms and equips you to reach out. For more information about what's happening at TCC, head to terelgancitychurch.com or check us out on Facebook. We hope you enjoy this message. generous. We're a church that's generous. We want to be generous on every occasion. And, um, you know, Corinthians 9 verse 11, we already, everyone's too busy eating their M&Ms to listen, but that's okay. Just keep enjoying. Yeah, that's okay. Just don't, what will happen in a few minutes is everyone will get on a sugar high and we're going to really get into this. So that's going to be really good. Um, That's right. Someone's already, it's already hitting them. So that's great. (laughs) we will pray for those afterwards that it has a bad effect on but Corinthians 9 verse 11 says you will be enriched in every way so that you may be generous on every occasion which is producing through us thanksgiving to God so we get when we are generous what happens in happens in that is it results in thanksgiving to God And so I love that the fact that when we're generous, He gets the credit, He gets the glory, He gets the adoration, He gets the praise. And so when I'm generous, I'm thinking, it's not about me, but it's about Him and I love that. And who is the most generous person ever? Our living God. I mean, we can call God a person or, you know, let's not have a theology lesson on that. But God is the God of the abundance. God is generous. And so as a church, we want to be generous. And uh, we're going to continue to be generous. You know, over the last few months, we've had some exciting things happen. You know, um, a few months ago, I got a call and a, a guy wanted to give our church a car, which was pretty cool. And um, so we're going to actually be selling that car so we can buy a car for one of our church family members, which is going to be amazing. Isn't that awesome? We got given a car. God is the God of the abundance. If you need something, we are connected to the one that has all the resources we'll ever need. It's amazing. It's so awesome. You know, I remember um, years ago, about two years ago, make it sound like it was years and years ago, but two years ago when um, we decided to up our giving, um, me and Johnny decided to up our giving. And as we did that, we're like, oh, I don't know about this. It's going to stretch us. It's going to make it hard. But within three months, um, God had returned to us the very amount in a year, like in within 12 months of that. So I don't know if that makes any sense to you. But what we started to give on top, God had worked it out over a 12-month period and within three months had given that back to us. Isn't that incredible? And it was to the very cent of the dollar. Amazing. When we give, God's like, you can't outgive me. I'm the God of the abundance. I'm the one that can give you more. And so I just think, I just want to give and give and give and give. Also love this description of generosity. Giving or sharing in abundance without hesitation. Something that we all do is hesitation sometimes. Hey, when we are giving, we sometimes go, ooh, are they deserving? Do they deserve that? Or, you know, are they, 
Um, are they going to be good stewards of it? If God asks you to give it, it's not actually up to us what happens with it. And so I'm encouraged that as a church at TCC, we are a giving and sharing in abundance without hesitation. When I looked up the synonyms, everyone say synonyms, because it's actually a really hard one to say. And I, was, I preached to John O before I preached to you. He gave me the tick of approval. But I preached to him and I was like, and the synonyms. But anyway, you guys said it better than me. But they are big-hearted, bountiful, charitable, free, free-handed, free-hearted, fulsome, liberal, open, open-handed, unselfish, unsparing, unstinting. And then if we look at words that are related to generous, it's extravagant, lavish, over-generous, hospitable, humanitarian, big, great-hearted, large-hearted, open-hearted, compassionate, good-hearted. There's lots of hearteds in there. Is that's a key. That's a key there. Kind. And Samaritan. I want you to remember that one, Samaritan. Okay? Why is there so many hearts in there? Because giving is a heart issue. And they say that our giving can either be connected to our pocket or can be connected to our heart. And we want it to be connected to our heart. And so just to be a little bit joyful and a little bit... um, We want to do the opposite thing. And we want to see what are the opposites of generous. So let's go there. Cheap. Close-fisted. Costive. Mingy. Measly or miserly. Is that how you say it? Miserly? Measly? Measly? Selfish. Stingy. Oh, don't like that word. Stinting. Tight. tight Tight-fisted. Uncharitable ungenerous. You know, I remember one time I was in the car with John and we were having an argument about giving something to someone or maybe it, I can't quite remember what it was about and I'm not sure if it was about him allowing me to go and buy certain things either. But um, anyway, doesn't quite matter. He's out in kids ministry so we can just, we can make it whatever we want. Um, just kidding, just kidding. Um, we want to have a good time in Thailand, so I better be careful because I, have, I somehow know that it's going to get back to him because it always does. Yes, that's right. But I remember one time with John, we were talking about this and we were talking about giving and I'm, I just have no limits when it comes to this. And um, anyone who knows me knows I love spending. And anyone who knows John knows that he loves saving. And so if you, yeah, if you, that's a good thing, right? You balance each other out. But sometimes I look at him and think, no, you're not being very giving right now. And so I turned to him when we were in the car and we're having this conversation. I said, why do you have to be so stingy? Anyone would have thought I swore at him, right? I thought I thought I had just said the most awful thing to him ever. His reaction, he just blew up. He turned at me and was like, how dare you say that to me? How dare you call me that? You know that's not who I am. You know that's not how I am. And here I am. I was just in the moment trying to get at him and, you know, um, there was not much truth in it because he's the most unstingiest person that you will ever meet. But I just was like, why do you have to be so stingy? He was so offended at me. He was so upset. For me, I just said it in anger. 
And I eventually apologised because I realised how much it upset him. But what I thought was, it's interesting, his reaction to the word of me calling him stingy. The thing is, none of us ever want to be called stingy, do we? If someone come up and said, you're stingy, how would that make you feel? It doesn't make you feel good. Nobody wants to be known as stingy. And at TCC, we do not want to be known as a stingy church. And we... and and. As much as it's in my power to do so, we will never be known as that. We will be known as a generous church. But I think it's interesting the reaction when someone says to you, you're stingy, something within you says, I don't like that. It doesn't feel good and I don't want to be that. Am I I right? None of us want to be stingy. And as Christians, we never should be because the God that we serve is the God of abundance, the God of overflow. He's generous. We don't serve a stingy God, amen? Isn't that good? That we can never say to God, you are so stingy. Because he's a God of the abundance. He's so generous. In fact, we are so inspired by the goodness of God that it's only our only fitting response to all that he has done for us, like we heard so amazingly at communion, the only response is for us to live generously. We know that the world of the generous gets bigger and bigger, right? The world, it says it in Proverbs, the world of the generous gets bigger and bigger and we live generously by being faithful in our giving and selfless in our serving. And so if you want to attach anything to generous, our value is generous on every occasion, then we want to attach that line to it, that we are faithful in our giving and selfless in our serving. Who knows that we are living in a very selfish world where it's everybody for themselves. Hey, just look after number one. You know, I was even having a conversation this week with someone and they're like, wow, you know, do you do all that stuff for the, for the church? Like, are you paid full time and blah, blah, blah? And I said, no, no, I, um, you know, I'm only on one day a week, which is, which is going to go up and blah, blah, blah. She's like, wow, that's a lot. So you, you volunteer. And I was like, no, I don't volunteer. I serve the living God. And it's a privilege and it's an honour. But it's interesting how someone will look at that and go, oh, you know, it's about being selfless in our serving. It doesn't matter if I get paid or I don't get paid, I'm still going to do this. And that's what happens when God calls you to something, amen? You don't care about the money. So I want to take us to a parable today. And I, just as I promised last week, <laughs> that I just love the parable of the prodigal son, right? And John I said to me, Is that the only parable or story in the Bible that you know? And I said to him last week, well, you know what? I'm going to preach from it again. And so when I was preaching to him last night and practicing, I said, and so everybody, and he's just looking at me, I said, I want to take us to a parable today. And he looks at me. I said, it's in Luke. And he looks at me. He was really not really paying much attention, but anyway. And I said, and it's the parable of the Good Samaritan. And everyone here said, amen. We are so sick of the prodigal son. No, it's an amazing story. But 
We're going to go to another parable today. Why not? Why not talk about the parables that Jesus taught and see what they have to say to us? So last week we spoke about the prodigal son and how as family our response should be to love and care for people unconditionally and to celebrate and to have fun. And we talked about the son, um, the older son, who couldn't go in because he was too focused on what his brother had done and not on the father's heart. And as a family, we're saying we want to be focused on the father's heart and not on what's going on around us. So today we're going to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan. Everyone said, praise the Lord. She's going away for two weeks. We don't have to hear a parable for the next two weeks. Unless Pastor Suzanne or Pastor Chris decides to bring one. And I can't do anything about that. Okay? So let's turn to Luke 10, verse 25. Luke 10, verse 25. Anyone got it? In the Scriptures, Luke 10, verse 25. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbour as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbour? In in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, they beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. Did we hear that? Did you hear that? A priest. Everyone say, a priest. A priest, a priest happened to be going down the same road and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Something's not right there, right? So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Did you remember what it said? He was half dead. Okay, so he was half dead. These people were like, nah, I'm crossing the road. But a Samaritan, everyone say a Samaritan. A Samaritan as he travelled came where the man was and he saw him and took pity on him. He went to to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, took care of him. Then the next day he took out two denarii, or denarii, is that how you say it? Denarii which is equivalent to two days' wages, okay? So you think about what you earn for two days. He took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So he already had given out two days' worth of his pay. And then he said, and just list anything else you want and I will come back and cover every single thing that you've had to spend on him. Isn't that incredible? Which of, which of these, Jesus says, which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. It's interesting, the attitudes that are here in this parable. There's three different attitudes. I was reading an article this week and it showed me that when you look at this parable, there's three distinct attitudes that run through it. 
And the first one is, what's yours is mine. Anyone ever been like that? What's yours is mine. And that is the attitude of the robbers. It says they attacked him and stripped him of his clothes. They beat him, walked away, leaving him half dead. They even took the very clothes he was wearing. The robber's attitude was, I can have whatever I want and I can get it any way I want. Can you imagine those robbers? They are never going to get their fill, are they? If they're going to take the very clothes that a man's wearing and beat him up, what is their problem? Their attitude is, what's yours is mine. I can have it. The second attitude that we see going through this parable is, what's mine is mine. And that is the attitude of the Levite and the priest. Since I've earned it, since I have it, since it belongs to me, and if I'm not willing to give it, then I have every right to keep it. We would call this attitude stinginess. The priest and the Levite were stingy. How offensive is that to them, right? I would be offended if someone said to me, I was stingy. And so they can be offended at us, hey. The third attitude is, what's mine is yours. We've all heard this, you know, when you get married, what's mine is yours and what's yours is mine, yeah? Everything we have together is each other's and uh, we're going to share it and we're going to enjoy it together. What's mine is yours. And we know that this is the attitude of the Samaritan. Did anyone here earlier when I was describing the definitions from the dictionary that Samaritan came up? So the worldly perspective, they look at the Samaritan or the parable of the good Samaritan and they see that as a generous thing. That it's in the dictionary. I was like, that is awesome. The Samaritan makes it to the dictionary. How cool is that? He was willing to use what he had for the good of others. He was willing to share his abilities, his time and his resources for the good of others. He had the attitude of generosity. As a church, we want to have the attitude of generosity. I think it's super interesting that both the priest and the Levite were on their way, get this, they were both on their way to worship at the temple. And it's, and it's when you look into it, it says that they would have known about that law or the principle of loving your neighbour. So they would have been aware of that. But Scripture says they crossed to the other side of the road. Who on their way to church today seen someone in need and thought, I'm, just, I'm going to church to worship God, I don't have time for you. I hope that was none of us. But And I don't think it was because we are a generous church. We would stop and say, are you okay or whatever it might be. But I thought it was so interesting that sometimes we can so miss the love of God and the goodness of God and the generosity of God because, hey, we're on our way to worship Jesus. We're on our way to church. We're on our way to do this. We can have this religious attitude that we're doing this and we don't care about anyone else on our way or on our journey. But that is not the heart of God. Jesus would not have shared the parable of the Good Samaritan if he wanted us to ignore our neighbours. And to not love and be generous on our neighbours. 
Who, are, who is your neighbour? Every person that you see is your neighbour. We're not just talking about your neighbours that are next to your house. Love on them too, but everybody is your neighbour. And I thought it was so interesting that they were on their way to church and they decided to see a man half dead and cross to the other side. Can you imagine the half dead man? So it says he was half dead. He wasn't fully dead. He was half dead, so he was a little bit conscious probably. But he would have heard people coming, right? He would have heard people, oh, thank goodness someone's here to help me. And then nothing happens. Oh, thank goodness as I lay here on the ground, as I lay down on the ground, someone is going to be here to help me. Thank you, Jesus. And then what happens? Nothing happens. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. But it took two people later for that to come. Two people later. And I can relate to this guy that was half dead on the ground. I can relate to him because I remember when I was around 10, I got a bike for my birthday and it was cool. It was one of those, you know, you you upgrade from the child bike to the teenage bike. Well, I got mine a little bit early. So I got a bike for my birthday. And as you do when you're 10, I ran into a parked car as I was riding along the footpath. Parked car, look, it, I, I have to say that it was the parked car's fault because they, they were over the footpath, okay? The footpath is for bikes and um, pedestrians, or sometimes maybe not. But anyway, I didn't pass bike ed in year six, all right? So I'm still struggling from that. About two weeks ago, I seen all these kids um, around where I went to school and they were doing bike head and all of these emotions flooded back to me of how much a failure I was and all of this stuff. And John is like, he still can't believe. No wonder he doesn't let me drive the scooter. <laughs> I never, and he would say she never passed bike head. Does any, did anyone else have bike education at school or was it just, yeah. Um, and so I, apparently I wasn't deemed safe on the roads. So I hit the footpaths, right? And as I, as I hit a parked car. So I was waving to someone. I was seeing them off from our house. And I went down the block. And as I was waving to them, I was waving. And then, bam, straight into the parked car. What happened was when I was into the, went into the parked car, the brake that on my bike had snapped off. And then from the force of the car, went straight into my groin and ripped it four centimetres open. So I was lying on the nature strip. I was lying there because I'd, you know, fallen off my bike. My, I was a bit concerned about the bike and I thought Dad was going to crack it at me because I'd broke the bike. And I'm lying on the nature strip and I'm in agony and I'm beside myself. And then I see this lady from the other side of the road and she's coming out to her mailbox. And I thought, oh, awesome, someone to help me. She looked at me, thought, what on earth is that girl doing lying on the nature strip? Her bike's over there. And you know what she did? She turned around and she went back inside. I was devastated. I I was a block away from home. How am I going to get home? She was my only hope, right? Next thing I know, my little sister, Chelsea, 
My baby sister comes burning down on her trike, a three-wheeler trike, really fast, her legs are going fast. And I said, Charles, get mum, get mum. She just looked at me, she turns around and she burns back down and she goes and gets mum and next thing you know, I was in the hospital and had 13 stitches and all of that sort of stuff. And I remember dad having to carry me to the toilet and it was really embarrassing and all that sort of stuff because I couldn't walk. But um, I understand what it was like to be lying on the ground and not have someone help me. So I can relate to that man lying on the ground thinking, oh, thank goodness someone's come to help me. And they go back inside. Or they, they cross the other side of the road. So when I was reading this, I'm like, I can relate. I was feeling all this anger begin to rise up within me. Go and knock on that lady's door. I still remember the house and go, you never helped me. She would not know what I'm talking about. It's probably not the same people either. So that could be really awkward. But I can relate to the abandonment of that guy who lay there and the priest and the Levite who apparently knew God. They knew God. Cross to the other side. How could they do this? They were thinking about themselves. If we are going to be a generous church, this can only be achieved if we're selfless in our giving and selfless in our serving. This is the only way that this can happen. And the most amazing man, Jesus Christ, gives us the perfect example of this in Mark 10 verse 45. And it says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Did you hear that? He came to serve. He came to give. He came to serve and he came to give. Jesus, the Son of Man, did not come to be served. When we look at the generous Samaritan, it wasn't expected that he would help the man lying half dead on the ground. He was a Jew, and at, the time, at that time, Jews despised Samaritans. So there was this whole thing going on between their cultures. So Jesus was pretty scandalous in his parable when he said to the man that the priest didn't help him and the Levite didn't help him, but the Samaritan did which makes it even more selfless of the Samaritan to help someone who potentially hated him. How selfless is that? That someone lying on the ground who potentially dislikes you and hates you and may not even like you after you help him, that he would give of his time and his resources and his money to this person. The good Samaritan was generous because he went above and beyond the expectation. When was the last time that we went above and beyond what was expected of us? As a church, I think, when was the last time that we went above and beyond what was expected us of us as a church? Because we want to exceed that expectation. The Samaritan went to the man and it said he poured wine and oil on his wounds. He bandaged his wounds. He put him on a donkey. He took him to an inn. He cared for him at the inn. This would all take him time, right? It said, did you, at the start of the scripture, it said he was, he was on a journey. 
He was on the road. He was going somewhere, right? And he stopped and he did all these things. He took care of him at the inn and he covered his costs. And then he even said to him, to the innkeeper, that just keep all the expenses and when I return, I will fix you up. So he came back to check on the man. None of, some of us probably wouldn't even do that part. We'd be like, just do all those other things and, th- and they would think, oh, they're going to be so happy that I did those things um, they, and they should be, right? And I'll just go on my merry way. But he came back to cover the expenses and to check in on him. How generous is this man? So generous. Have you ever received an unexpected gift? Have you ever received something that was unexpected and it just blew you away? One time me and Jono um, received something in the mail and it was a cheque for a certain amount of money and we were blown away. When you receive something unexpected, what does it do to you? How does it make you feel? When you think about giving, why did God invent giving? In the first place. We know that the enemy didn't invent it, right? He came up with stealing and taking. That's what he's in the business of. Stealing and taking. Why did God invent giving? Was it because he was thinking, oh, we're a little bit short in heaven? Can you imagine the light bill up there? That's why we give, church. That's why we give into the offering because we... God needs our help in heaven. They're a bit short. No way. Right? It doesn't make sense. God did not invent giving for his sake. He invented giving for our sakes because it's a blessing to give. The principle on giving is incredible that if you catch a, if you catch a hold of it, something changes in you. And generosity oozes from you and people go, how are you so generous? And what results in that? Thanksgiving to God. I am generous because of the God that has been so generous to me. The God that has been so giving to me. God wants to deal with selfishness and greed in our lives. And if you say, oh, I've never had any of those things, I would probably say that you might be lying just a little bit. Because I've had those things. I've wanted to keep these things for myself, for me. I've been greedy. Do you know, have you ever met a happy, selfish, greedy person? No. If you think about selfish... Have you ever met a selfish and greedy person? They seem miserable, don't they? They seem so mad at the world. The world owes me everything. They're not happy. They are miserable. And I I can think of people like this. No one in this room, obviously. But when you think about these people, they don't seem happy, right? They don't. And I think there's almost a default setting in us that we have to break. That from when we are born, we default to greedy, mine, and the other word, no. 
If you think of any kid ever, this is how they go through life. And at the moment, we are having such a battle with Harry, who's two and a half. Everything is his and nobody else's. Everything is no. Even if I want to change his nappy, no. I want to help you, no. This is his no to everything. Want him to share, no. He wants everything for himself. What his brothers has, he wants. And if he can't have it, he has a tantrum. And he cries about it and... You know, sometimes I just say, give it to him because I can't be bothered dealing with the tantrum and then it fixes things quickly. But then the other brother gets upset because it's his and he shouldn't have to give it to him because Harry's going to wreck it. Because he's the two and a half year old that doesn't quite fit in the gang yet because he's annoying. He's that little annoying two and a half year old that comes around and wrecks stuff. Kids have this default setting. How are you boys going? You, have you got that default setting out of mine and no and I don't want to share? Yeah, that's all right. They're, they're good. That's good. But we have this default setting in us that I think sometimes we need a break because sometimes as we come up to adults, we keep that. What's mine is mine. What's mine is mine and I'm not sharing. The most joyful and happy people are those who give and those who give and live generously. Have you ever met a generous person? Are they happy? They are, right? There's something about giving and being generous that just does something within you. I remember at Tabitha's Closet we had a a girl come in and um, she needed a whole new wardrobe of clothes. Anyway, she came in and I said, what are you looking for? And she just said, oh, basically what you're wearing. I like that look. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Um, So we just started digging through the clothes and I'm like, what about this? And oh, this top. And and anyway, she's like, oh, yeah, I love that. She went and tried them on and she came back out and she's like, can I wear these home? I said, of course you can wear them home. That's amazing. She went out feeling amazing. And I felt amazing because I helped her find stuff. Something happens when you give of your time, you know. It's an effort to have to set up Tabitha's closet. But it was so worth it for her reaction to, to see her work walking out like a million dollars. There's a lot of preaching on giving that talks from Luke 7 We know the scripture, give and it will be given to you, right? Give and you will get. This is what we think. You'll get and we think I'll give if I'm going to get. But God doesn't want us to catch the vision of getting. He wants us to catch the vision of giving. Yes, God doesn't want us to catch the vision of getting. He wants us to catch the vision of giving. And as a church, God doesn't want us to catch the vision of getting. If I give into the offering, then I'm going to get. But he wants us to catch the vision of giving. Giving, 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 giving. The good Samaritan bandaged the wounds as we finish up, bandaged the wounds of the injured man and took him to an inn to recover and cover all his cost. He showed him compassion. Martin Salomon, a Jewish psychologist who has been a major influence in recent shifts towards more positive psychology, has done extensive studies in the area of happiness. 
His research indicates that a person has more powerful and longer-lasting positive emotions after one act of kindness done towards someone else than that which comes from doing something for yourself. He could have saved a lot of research and money just by listening to Jesus' words from over 2,000 years ago that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. If we catch a hold of that, that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive, something is going to shift. Something is going to change. We know that the world of the generous gets bigger and bigger and so we live generously by being faithful in our giving and selfless in our serving. How are you serving him at the moment? How are you being faithful in your giving at the moment? Because we value generosity. How can we be more generous? Something I ask myself, how can I be more generous in what I do? How as a church can we be more generous? Maybe there's something that you're holding on to here today that can unlock something in our community for us to be generous. Maybe there's an idea or a concept in this room that says, hey, Megan, have you thought about this? Because this is something we can do to be generous. It's not just me saying we want to be generous, but it's every single one of us in this church saying we want to be generous. And as we do that, we explode in our community as this generosity, which results in thanksgiving to God. It points back to Jesus. It points back to Jesus. We want to be generous on every occasion. And the awesome thing is that it results in thanksgiving to God. It points to Jesus. We serve the God of abundance. In him there is no limits. Corinthians 9 verse 11. I'm going to read it again just as I finish. You will be enriched in every way so that you may be generous on every occasion which is producing through us thanksgiving to God. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. For more information about TCC, check out TerrellganCityChurch.com.